0: Let's face it. If Florida State beats Louisville, regardless whether it's about one point or 20 points, they're going to get into the playoffs. I'll tell you something that really jumps out to me, guys, is this, is that Alabama, even if they win the SEC championship game, they're not a shoe in They need some help. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of people can't fathom. The SEC champion, Alabama, 12-1, they still need help to get in based on going, being at number eight right now. It's a long way to the top four. It is a wild thought, but it's one that we will discuss here on Always College Football. Thanks to Booker McFarland. I'm Greg McElroy. Thanks for being with us. It's awesome that you're here with us on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. Full disclosure, we're taping it on Tuesday night. I am in Bristol. Just got off the set a little while ago of the college football rankings show. Rankings release show. I Frankly, let me see what it's called just so I don't get in trouble. Uh, college football playoff selection committee rankings yeah i don't know it's called the rankings release show in my eyes so that's what i'm going to call it hopefully it's unsponsored but we have a bunch of amazing sponsors here either way thank you guys so much for being here we're going to break down the rankings like we always do we're going to have a little bit of a roundtable discussion we did this a couple weeks ago and we decided this time to open it up to twitter and so many of you have weighed in responded to my twitter responded to the always college football twitter always cfb And you've already submitted questions, so we're going to kind of bounce around a couple hypotheticals, talk about some certain scenarios, what you might need if you are Alabama, here is the blueprint to you making the playoff. And it's not as simple as beat Georgia. It's not. If you're Texas, here is the blueprint to you making the playoff. Yours is a little bit more simple. All you need is one upset that currently sits in front of you, but we'll discuss exactly how that upset could go down. If you're Ohio State, you're in at six, and you should be really happy about that. I think it's unjustifiable, but I digress. And we'll break down the top four, go through a couple of other nuggets in the top 25, so we'll have a lot in store for you here on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to the rankings. It's a penultimate edition of the College Football Rankings. Penultimate rankings are in the book. We got one more left. All right. We have one more that's on Sunday. That's the one that counts. Okay. This was merely a dress rehearsal for what's coming this weekend. A few notable takeaways here with this week's top 25. Now, nothing too chaotic in the top three, right? Ohio State lost. So Washington slides up. There's not a whole lot to learn there, right? I mean, do I need to really go through the top three? They are kind of what they were last week, with the exception of Washington replacing the team that lost. So it wasn't a huge takeaway for me in the top three. That one made perfect sense. People seem to continue to be flabbergasted by the idea that Florida State is in with a win because of Jordan Travis's injury. I I totally get, and, and Kirk Herbstreet and I got into it a bit. Reese Davis has, has been talking about this talking point. Joey Galloway's talk. Total respect for everybody on the set, by the way. have absolutely no issues at all with disagreement. That's what makes the world go round. But what I'm having a hard time understanding is, do you really think our job is not to give our rankings. When we're on the set, I don't think our job is to give our rankings. Our job is to analyze the committee's rankings because my rankings look pretty dang close to the rankings if I were to give them one through 25 to the committee, but they don't necessarily line up for sure. The committee might have different values than I do, which I'm totally good with. There's 13 of them. There's one of me. If I were on the committee, I'd be one of 13. And We would do the best we could to put our heads together to give you the best, most compelling ranking that we could possibly give you, okay? But here's kind of how I see it. One, Georgia's number one, no question. Michigan, number two, no question. Washington, number three, no question. Those should be not up for debate. But there seems to be a growing sense that the four best teams should get in. Well, I understand that that's the committee. That's the committee's, that's their words that they have, given us 10 years ago when the playoff got put into place, that the four best, four best, four best. But I look back over the course of time from 2014, 15, 16, 17, all the way through until 2022 last year, looking back over the course of time, it's never been the four best. There have been several examples in which one of the four best teams was left out because their resume didn't warrant inclusion. I can give you a couple of off the top of my head. TCU in 2014, Ohio state in 2015, Penn state in 2016, All right. We're, I can continue on and on and on. There's, there's a handful of others. 17 was a little more cut and dry because Bama had one loss. Ohio state had two. 18 was a little more cut and dry with, you know, Notre Dame has been in there some as well with an undefeated resume, all these other things. So, the committee has never gone with the four best because if it's the four best, then what's the, why do we play the games? Let's just ask Vegas what the power ratings are and give us those four. And we'll just, we'll, we'll play them right here in a round Robin format 15 times over the course of the season. And there's your champion. We have to acknowledge the results. We have to, uh, our, the sanctity of our sport is at stake. If we disregard the regular season schedule. Okay. Like, you guys know me. Like, I love this sport. There are things that I love in this world. There are a few things in this world that I love more than college football. Few things. Okay. My faith, my family, my children, including my wife, my my wife and children, my family, everyone, all inclusive, my extended family, everything. And then college football is pretty much right there, like right alongside friends. (laughs) No disrespect to my friends that are listening right now. Like, you and college football are kind of interchangeable to me. Like in the fall, I prioritize college football. In the spring, I still prioritize college football, but we hang out more regularly. So nothing in this world outside of family, faith, and college football. Those are my favorite things in the world, okay? And I look at the idea of an undefeated Power 5 team being left out as an absolute travesty. Do I think Florida State with Jordan Travis is one of the four best teams? No, I don't. You want my honest opinion? I do not. In the event in which there's some upsets this weekend, speaking hypothetically, if Georgia loses this weekend, for instance, let's just say Georgia loses. Do I think Georgia in the event in which they lose is still one of the four best teams? Yes. Will they make the playoff? Probably not. So is it really the four best teams? No, it's never been the four best teams. It never has been. It's always been the four that the committee can most easily justify. And they're not trying to cop out because there's no reason in a million years why Cincinnati would have gotten in two years ago. If it was really the four best teams, it's not. It's the four that make the most sense with the collection of teams that they have that year. It's as simple as that. So Florida State's in with a win. Oregon's in with a win. Ohio State does have a chance because they dropped to six. And I disagree with how they dropped, to be honest with you. I would have had them probably at eight just because they're not participating this weekend. But it's kind of, it's a little insignificant. I can't envision a scenario where Ohio State goes up unless there's absolute chaos. But there is a path. If the top three teams win this weekend, Georgia wins. Michigan wins. Washington wins. Louisville beats Florida State. Oklahoma State beats Texas. Then who are you taking in the four spot? Probably going to be the Buckeyes. Because they're going to have one loss when measured against a bunch of teams that have multiple losses. So the Buckeyes are still very much alive at six, but I don't think they can go up any higher on their own accord. They're going to need some help with the teams around them to fall a little bit flat this weekend. Uh, Texas. I think Texas's resume is really being underappreciated. I know eye test is is absolutely valued, and I know Texas has ebbed and flowed, but if you look at how Texas has played in the first half of football games when they're dominating opponents against Houston, against TCU, against Kansas State, they've dominated just about – I mean, the eye test has been really good. It just hasn't been for 60 minutes. And then you look at the resume, look a little bit further, a couple ranked wins. Kansas State staying in the top 25 for Texas. That really benefits them. Alabama, of course, still entrenched at number 8 at the moment. Like, Texas has an amazing resume. They also have three wins against teams that have eight or more wins, which I view as a quality win. A quality win to me is a team that's eight and four or better. And the Power Five. Texas has three of those. Alabama, Kansas, Kansas State. You know who has two? Ohio State. You know who has two? Oregon. You know who has two? Michigan. You know who has two? Florida State. I know I'm talking about undefeated teams, but I'm just saying I think Texas's resume – is a little bit underappreciated at the moment. Like That team, even if you look at the eye test and what they're capable of, what their ceiling is, what is Texas' ceiling? If they play their A game for 60 minutes, you saw it last Friday, go take a peek. That's what they're capable of. So I think Texas is undervalued, and I think they should be ranked ahead of Ohio State. Then you get to the Alabama equation. Alabama also has a very good resume. Alabama has three ranked wins, Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU. Uh, they have three wins against teams that have eight or more wins, Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU. So they're in a pretty good spot, too. I think Alabama should be ahead of Ohio State. I think Ohio State should be eight, which doesn't necessarily mean Ohio State can't still get in. I just think if we're measuring resumes and eye test, which Ohio State has not passed, I might add. Like People continue to give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt. Like, Have you watched their offense? Have you watched their offensive line at times? Have you watched Kyle McCord at times? Like I think Ohio State's got great personnel, too, but I don't think they're... I don't think they're elite from an eye test standpoint, not like uh, Georgia is, uh, not like an Oregon is at this point. Like Ohio State's been pretty up and down as far as eye test is concerned. Now I think they're really good on defense, but I don't think they're elite on offense at all. So I think they're a little bit overvalued there at 6. Missouri at 9 pretty much solidifies a spot for them in the New Year's 6, assuming everything goes according to plan for them. Uh, Penn State rounds out the top 10. So some pretty significant moves. Uh, I guess they're in the top 10 with Ohio State dropping to 6. But the rest is is pretty chalky, to be honest with you. Some of the teams that I was keeping an eye on this week. I was looking at Louisville. They obviously lost last week. They drop all the way down to 14. Does it affect Florida State? Not really. Uh, because Florida State, I think, is still in a win-and-end situation. I was looking at Oregon State. They've lost last couple games. Uh, they are they were at 16 last week. They dropped to 20. Still a top-20 win, though, for the teams that beat them. That's a good resume booster. I thought they could drop further, but I was good with where Oregon State came in. That helps Oregon and Arizona. And then Kansas State, I already referenced them already. Them being in the top 25 is really big. That has an effect on three teams, uh, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Missouri. If Kansas state drops out of the top 25, then that's one less ranked win for each of the aforementioned teams. So those were the teams that I thought were very, very valuable. And then one amazing nugget that I came across too: Iowa has zero wins against eight win teams. And yet here they are chugging right along at number 16 and a chance to win the big 10 this year. They're three and one, however, against teams with seven or more wins. So that's encouraging. Uh, However, in those four games, they have a minus 118-yard margin in those games. So I know that you guys think I'm making fun of Iowa. That's remarkable. To be outgained by, on average, in the four games against seven-win teams, to be outgained by 118 yards a game and still be 10-2 and – is pretty dang awesome. So I think it's a feather in your cap, to be honest with you, Iowa Hawkeyes. So good luck this weekend. And hey, we'll continue to assess and we'll be back on Sunday to break down the rankings even further before we get down and break down some of these matchups.
1: Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas.
2: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice
0: So we didn't get a guest tonight. We figured we'd want to hear from you. And there were so much good interaction in the last couple of weeks on our uh, Twitter accounts at always college football, always CFB on both Instagram and on Twitter and on my social media account, at Greg McElroy, that we figured we just kind of wanted to, instead of having a guest and kind of spitballing, we would just take questions from y'all. So let's kick it off, Coops. Where are we going?
2: All right. First question comes from Ryan. And he says, how will a potential one-loss Oregon Pac-12 champion have a better resume than a one-loss SEC champion Alabama?
0: Uh, No one's saying that they're going to have a better resume. Uh, They don't have a better resume right now, and they're still ahead of a one-loss Alabama at the moment. Uh, Alabama's resume is superior to that of Oregon. Alabama has three wins overranked teams currently in the CFB. Oregon has one and that team is Oregon State and they are ranked 20th. So basically it would be as if Alabama had only beaten Tennessee this year. They're 21 I might add. Alabama had only beaten Tennessee this year and that was their only only good win. That's the com- that's the comparison. So no one is suggesting at this moment that Alabama and Oregon have comparable resumes they don't Bama has a much stronger resume uh, a much better resume and with a win against Georgia their resume would be even better than Oregon's if they were to avenge their loss to Washington because Bama would now go to four ranked twins including a win over the team that was previously number one Oregon would have a win over the team that was previously number three so no one's comparing the resumes uh what people have been comparing is the eye test. And I've been talking about it since Halloween, the first time we did the rankings, that there needs to be a discussion. Why is it that Oregon is kind of put on a platform a little bit? I'm, I think Oregon's excellent. Like, I think they're a really good football team. But shouldn't we maybe have a conversation about their resume? If Ohio State was one, remember, Ohio State was one at the time because of, quote, resume. Then why is Oregon six? Because it's certainly not because of resume, because at that time they had no wins. At their disposal so uh, nobody's saying that their resume is going to better but the committee has already told us over the last four weeks that oregon is better than alabama whether you agree with that or not it certainly isn't based on resume it must be based on eye test and and i can't necessarily i can't necessarily refute because i think oregon's looked pretty dang good all right greg next one is not college
1: football playoff related michael barton wants to know what do you think of the mississippi state hire hiring jeff
0: levy I like the hire Um, obviously a little off topic here. My mind's in playoff mode, but, uh, (laughs) but I like the hire. I mean, I like Jeff and I've known Jeff for a long time now and, and have a lot of faith in his system um, offensively to be able to put a lot of points. I mean, he did it at Ole Miss, did it at UCF, did it at, uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, So he's, and he's, came up in, in the Baylor system that is kind of universal now. It's all over the place. So if you look at what Tennessee's done with their style of attack, it's going to be comparable. Um, not exactly the same, but comparable. So I, I think there's a lot to like about the hire. The, the one thing I'm real curious about is who is his defensive coordinator going to be? Uh, who's he going to target on that side of the ball? Because I would imagine he'll probably still call the plays. I'm sure he will. Uh, that's what he does best, or at least that's what he's done best the last couple of years. But will he ultimately – maybe delegate that responsibility to somebody else. else's industry and who will he hire as the defensive coordinator. But I think it's an exciting hire for Mississippi state. Um, as long as he preaches toughness. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think. Cause I think about Mississippi state and I think about the best Mississippi state teams that I played against and that I've watched in the last 15, 20 years, they're all crazy, tough blue collar chip on the shoulder type of teams. And he needs to instill that because that is what has won there in the past. Um, uh, flashy, high scoring, all this stuff's great, but what has won there in the past has been physical dominant trench play offensively and defensively and high level quarterback play. So hopefully he can establish that and, and create some opportunities for the Bulldogs to, you know, kind of ruffle some feathers in, in what is a deeper SEC next year.
2: Next question comes from Cade: <laughs> is the Iowa versus Michigan under 35 and a half a lock for the big 10 championship. Is the Iowa defense the best in college football has ever seen if they hold Michigan to less than two TDs this week?
0: Uh, no, it's not a lock. Um, to be honest with you, I kind of like, like the over. <laughs> Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. And we don't talk a ton of gambling here, but that would be one that I'd be eyeing this week. The unders in all the Iowa games have gotten kind of out of control. I don't think Iowa's played a capable offense all year, and that includes Penn State. If you look at what Penn State did against Michigan and Ohio State, you tell me how capable that offense is. They scored thirty one and I know if you look at the game it, you know it was there was more to the story there and and that they got to thirty one in a you know in a in a in a way that wasn't just you know isolations right down the field and scoring points uh but this will be by far the best offense that Iowa's seen this year and if Penn State can score thirty one uh, I think Michigan could potentially get there as well and uh I think Iowa. Could create a short field i mean mccarthy is at times had some issues with turnovers this year so they could create a couple short field scores and i think there will be a handful of short field scores so yeah i think it'll be a more high scoring game than vegas is anticipating at the moment
1: all right going back to the playoff this one we conversation we've already touched on a little bit but ricky tickey's asking is it certain that alabama will leapfrog into the top four if they beat georgia they've beaten three ranked teams and five other teams going to bowls if they beat number one georgia sure seems they'd have to be in what do you
0: think uh no i don't think it's a it's a foregone conclusion but i've been telling you guys this for weeks uh as soon as i saw the scenario that was playing out on halloween and we got the rankings the initial college football playoff rankings release that was on halloween i said this on this platform on this show uh, on my radio show on television alabama is not in control of their own destiny regardless of what they do and that's a really uncomfortable thought and frankly there is a possibility and we talked about this too there is a possibility that the sec could get left out because of the amount of quality that's in other leagues And the fact that there is a really wide race right now for those four playoff spots. I mean, you could make a compelling argument on behalf of eight teams. You really could eight teams. You could make a compelling argument in behalf of that includes Bama. That includes Texas. That includes Ohio state, to be honest with you, even though they would probably have the eighth weakest argument to be made. There is an argument to be made on behalf of Ohio state in the event in which other teams lose. So I think there's eight teams right now that could still make it. And, If you look back over the course of time, there has not been that many teams that are still alive at this point of the college football season since the playoff has come to fruition. There haven't been this many, not this many teams that have been tested and have been quality and have been that have have played at a high level. Sure. Yeah, we've had some group of five teams that, that maybe they're in the mix, but we don't have that this year. We're talking about power five teams four of them that are currently undefeated we're talking about power five teams universally respected blue blood programs one loss is across the board so we have never had a field this deep so no one's no one's disregarding what alabama's done or what, what georgia might do if georgia loses i mean think about this georgia could miss the playoffs and hasn't lost a game in two calendar years and i know i know that we don't care about 22 and 21. I know that, but it's still a mind blowing thought. It's still a crazy thing to consider, right? still nuts. And frankly, they've played their best football in the month of November, albeit with the exception of the Georgia tech performance where they weren't very good on defense and had a couple of turnovers offensively. So they've peaked and gotten better of late and they still could miss the playoffs even though they have a very strong resume with three wins against quality opponents, three wins against ranked opponents, and yet they lose one game, they're out. It's a real possibility. So uh, I know that it's it's a really difficult thing to consider. But I want everyone to hear me when I say this. This is a real thing. The SEC could get left out because the SEC this year went seven to nine against top power five teams in the non-conference. Seven to nine. Okay, And that's a, that's a tough thing to wrap your head around because you're not used to seeing that in the SEC. The SEC, I feel like, or at least if you look at it over the course of the last 15 years, the SEC has fared really well in non-conference games. They are 7-9 to nine this year, and their best win is Kentucky over Louisville. Their second best win is Mississippi State over Arizona. Missouri over Kansas State would be third. Ole Miss over Georgia Tech. Georgia over Georgia Tech. Auburn over Cal and Tennessee over Virginia. Those are their seven wins against non-conference. How about these in, how about the loss column? Texas, Florida State over LSU, Miami over a and Florida State over Florida, Utah over Florida, South Carolina lost twice to Clemson, North Carolina, BYU beat Arkansas. I mean, Vandy beat, or Wake Forest beat Vandy. Not that that one's going to factor in a whole lot, but the SEC usually has a really good non-conference resume, and they don't this year. Meanwhile, the Pac-12, they're seven and three against power five teams in the non-conference. Seven and three—that's a seventy percent clip that they've won on. I mean, it—it's unfortunate if you're an SEC fan, but it's a—it's a real possibility, and and we've tried to warn you, we've tried to prepare you, we've tried to explain that this could happen. And as much as you don't want it to happen, you don't think it can happen, it can, and, and it might uh, if some chalk flies in some other conferences next uh, in the next few days.
2: All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate here because Jack and I were having this discussion before you came on. Let's say that Alabama and Texas win, and Florida State loses. I want to know who you think would be in, and I want to know if that differentiates from what the committee will put in.
0: Alabama wins, and Florida State loses. And
2: Texas, Alabama, By the way, and Texas. This
0: is singer spray for all the people that are wondering what this is, and for those that are listening on the podcast, uh, my voice is starting to get a little dry. So, in order to amplify, I have to use singer spray. This is not an ad. It's free, free, advertising. free advertising. It's also, also non alcoholic, which is also not a plus. Uh, <laughs> all right. Florida State loses, and who loses?
2: Florida State loses, and Alabama and Texas both win. I want to know what Florida your score would be. Alabama
0: Texas both win. Yeah. It's a simple solution. It's very easy. Okay. Let me break it down as easily as humanly possible. All right. If you are a Texas fan, because we all acknowledge at this point, right? We all acknowledge. Let's just go one by one. Georgia, what do you need to get in? Win, right? Simple. Okay, good. Everybody agree- Jack, we're on the same page, right? We're not going too yes. far off the rails yes. here? Right. No, I have a feeling I'm going to be with you here. All right, Georgia, winning in, right? Thumbs up for everybody. Boom. Hammer. Moving on. Michigan, 24-point favorite. Total's 35 and a half. Love the over. Win and in, right? Thumbs up. up. Yes. No brainer. Okay. Washington winning in, right? All good, right? Now, here's a real crazy scenario. Hear me out for a second. Washington loses to Oregon. Washington, in my opinion, should be ahead of Ohio State. I agree. People, heaven forbid, you have that discussion. (laughs) <laughs> People will lose their mind on the set if you even entertain that one. But Washington has four wins over teams that have eight or more wins. Oregon at Arizona, at Oregon State, Utah. All those teams are eight and four or better. Washington's beaten four. Ohio State's beaten two. Penn State and Notre Dame. All right, I digress. Washington winning in, right? We're good. Yep. yep. Boom. Florida State winning in, right? Good. But they lose
2: in this scenario. They're out.
0: I know, but I'm just, we're going team by team. Okay. Okay, we'll get to all this. You we'll get to all your little hypothetical scenarios in a moment. I can assure you. All right, Florida <laughs> State winning in right. Oregon winning in right. Done. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's skip Ohio State for the moment because they need the most chaos. Texas, you need one upset. One, just one upset, and that's not including the Pac-12. So remove the Pac-12. You need Bama to beat Georgia, Iowa to beat Michigan, or Louisville to beat Florida State. You need one for Texas to get in.
2: Let me ask you real quick. Hold on. What if it's a close margin of victory? I know Oklahoma State is ranked, but what if it's a field goal at the last minute? Is it going to matter? No. Okay.
0: Texas needs one upset. Meaning Texas can, if they want to, root for Bama which because they have the head-to-head as crazy as that might sound, Texas fans might be singing roll tide on Saturday night because they own the head-to-head. All right, Alabama, you need two upsets. Take the PAC 12 out. Okay. Here's the good news for Alabama fans. They control the outcome of one of those upsets. So Georgia remove them. They're out in the event in which Alabama beats them. We can all agree. Yep.
1: Okay. So well, now well, Mark you... doesn't actually, but
0: yeah. Okay. Well, I
2: think. It, well, listen. I'll say this you're wrong. Michigan. Okay. Michigan should have jumped Georgia and put after the win against Ohio State and been the number one team. Know, Putting Georgia have, two.
0: They have their, it's the resume that's so strong. The resume. Penn great, State, but the Ohio best State.
2: win right now in the country is Michigan beating Ohio State, right?
0: If you think Ohio State was justifiably ranked three, then yes.
1: Well, they they're still five. So should,
0: I think six. they should be 8.
1: Well, well based so, off the rankings, Washington's win over Oregon is the best. Washington's Oregon's win over bad. Oregon
0: at the moment is the best, followed yeah. in my opinion by the Texas win over Alabama. But what do I know? I agree. Michigan won at home against a team they've beaten two years in a row. Relax, all right? Alabama needs two upsets. They control the destiny of one. If they beat Georgia, Remove Georgia from the equation for the moment. That means they need one of the three following teams to lose. They need Michigan to lose to Iowa, least likely. Texas to lose to Oklahoma State, second least likely. Florida State to lose to Louisville, most likely. So if they beat Georgia and one of those three teams loses, Bama's in. They're in a great, great spot. Okay, and now let's get back to Ohio State. I think the way Ohio State can potentially get in. Georgia beats Bama. No problem there. Understandable. Number one team, locked down. Michigan beats Iowa, locked down. Number two team, locked down. Washington beats Oregon, locked down. Louisville beats Florida State, remove Florida State. Oklahoma State beats Texas, remove Texas. Oregon has two losses. Texas has two losses. Alabama has two losses. And in come the Buckeyes right into the four seed to take on the Georgia Bulldogs for the second year in a row.
2: Ah, you know what? I was just going to say Jack Shrail just sent me a note and said, no team ranked lower than sixth with one week to go has made the CFP.
0: Well, they're sixth.
1: <laughs> there you go. It's that. So let's get back to what we were talking about, though, Mark. You said that if even if Alabama beats Georgia, Ohio state or Georgia who lost the head to head to Alabama may have a better case of making the CFP than Alabama, which I thought was absurd. That was our, I moment. said,
2: I could they're number one. If they lose in a close game, I could see the committee putting Georgia in at four. it's tough to have them out. Over I who? just, no way. Just, I, I
0: don't know. Over like, You have to tell me who they're going to be over before, because everyone likes Alabama. Home. They're not going to put the team. They have yeah. proven over the last four weeks that head to head matters. That's why Texas is in front of Alabama. So if you think Georgia is going to be ahead of Alabama after Alabama beats them in the SEC championship game, you're absolutely out of your mind. Like, <laughs> you. Use precedent. like people. Uh, that's the only thing that irritates me about these hypotheticals. Well, I think Georgia will stay in. Okay, well, who are they going to stay in? Who's going to be out, though, in their favor? Because in that scenario, then you're keeping Alabama out who beat them. In that scenario, you're keeping Texas out who beat Alabama. Like, they're not going to stay in. And you're going to say, well, in other years, the team's fallen down. Like Georgia lost in 21 and dropped to three. Yeah, well, this is not like 21. You have eight teams that are still in the running for four spots. So that's why I think it's a dangerous assumption to say, well, you know, the SEC will get someone in. Don't worry about it. I'm telling you, I don't think that's a realistic possibility. I think it could very easily play out this weekend in the event which Alabama wins and chalk flies everywhere else, that the SEC could get left out. I think it's a real possibility. The only way Georgia gets
1: in if they lose to Bama is how Ohio State would get in. Both Texas and FSU lose. That's the only way it'd happen. Then you may have two SEC teams in that scenario.
0: Yeah, and then you, in that scenario, then you, have, you go from zero SEC teams to two SEC teams. All right. Because who are you taking?
2: Yeah, well, we, no, wouldn't Ohio State – well, I, I guess that's well, the question. No, Georgia, would would win, Georgia
0: would win in that scenario, but I would think Georgia will probably be ahead of Ohio State in the final rankings in the event in which Bamba beats them. It's just whether will they be four, will they be five. But Georgia, if they lose this weekend, would need a ton of help. I think Michigan would have to lose. I think uh, you know uh, Washington would have to blow out Oregon. I mean, it would have to be like a 59 nothing situation like Ohio State had back in 14. So anything's possible. Like I said, there's eight teams alive. And I think there's zero this weekend that can survive a loss.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All
0: right, we do it every week. What I love, what I hate, and then we'll close it up here on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. So let's talk first about what I love. What I love is that we have so many teams that are still in the running for the college football playoff. I love the hypotheticals that we get to entertain every week. I love the animosity that people. Spew, because it means you care. Like, I mean, I if you just said, oh, well, that's fine. i will take care of itself. Like, what well, fun would that be? Like, having a reaction to the rankings is a good thing for the sport. And you don't have to like them. Uh, you don't have to love them. You can hate them. You can, you can love them. You can think they're great. But having a reaction is good. And, the, and this is one of the few sports that creates a visceral reaction because there's just some things that you can't control. And the NFL... You get the sense that you can control your own destiny, right? Like, hey, all you got to do is is get in the playoffs, handle your business in the regular season. If you're playing in the NFC South, go like seven and 10 and you'll get in the playoff and then boom, get it going, right? Simple as that. But in this world, it's, there's some things that are out of your control and it's a really uncomfortable feeling, but it's a good dialogue that we need to have. But I can promise you here at Always College Football, you will be the most Mm -hmm. educated, on the possible outcomes that could go down here on Sunday when the rankings are officially released for the final time. Uh, I love very much that we have an Oregon and Washington rematch uh, because that game was so good early, wasn't it? I mean, it was so good. It was so entertaining. It felt so big. It just felt like a big moment, didn't it? just felt like a massive moment. So I'm really happy that it that it came to fruition. And there was a moment there, at least on Saturday night, where BYU was up 24-6 against Oklahoma State. I'm like, we're gonna get Oregon and Washington, Oregon, Washington on Friday, then on Saturday at noon, we're gonna get Texas and Oklahoma. Then we're gonna get Georgia and and Bama in the in the late afternoon on Saturday, and then we're gonna follow it up with the Florida State Seminoles who control their own destiny. Like I was sitting there like, this is insane. We're about to have some insane championship Saturday matchups, but we still have some great ones for sure. But I'm especially happy that we have a rematch between Oregon and Washington. I'm always happy that we have Georgia Bama. It's just a great matchup. The teams are built to beat each other. I love that there are more than one way to skin a cat. And you're going to say, what the heck are you talking about? I love that Iowa is playing on championship Saturday when they don't win the way everyone wants them to win. You know what I mean? Like everyone seems to think that there's a certain formula for how you win games here in the modern day of college football. Like this is the way we do that things. This is the way we score. You're going to have four wide receivers, and you're going to run down the field, and you're going to run tempo, and you're going to create mismatches. And you're going to have a quarterback that's dynamic. Then you're going to have a defense that's okay but more bend note break and that's the way you're going to win. Not at Iowa. And I know Kirk Ferentz has come under some fire from time to time. And look, I think there are things about their offense that are archaic. Like You can still be traditional and move into the modern era a little bit, but isn't the ultimate goal to win the game? I don't care if the offense wins it, the defense wins it. Because if the offense, if every single drive for Iowa ends in a kick, they're probably in a pretty good position to win. So they're going to break a play or two. They might have a big return. They might have a short field because of a turnover. Last time I checked, they had 12 tests this year. They passed 10 of them. Same amount as Oklahoma, same amount as Ole Miss, same amount as Penn State, same amount as Louisville. Last time I checked, Iowa's 10-2, just like the rest of them. And even though they come under a ton of heat and a ton of scrutiny, I get it. Kirk Ferentz knows how to win. And I hope they play well this weekend. I think it'll be tough for them, but I hope they play well this weekend. I'll tell you what I hate. I hate the transfer portal opening and players deciding not to play in the final game of the season because they've already decided to enter the portal. Evan Stewart at Texas A&M already decided to enter the portal so they don't travel with their team to play in the final game of the regular season. I mean, don't you want to finish what you started? I mean, it's not like you're preserving a red shirt here. Not that that's ever appropriate either. Like You quit on your team. Like I like the portal. I embrace the portal. We will 100% discuss the portal here on Always College Football in December and in January. And we'll talk about who's going where and all the different exciting names that are already in the portal. We'll, we'll do all of that. But I just don't like, I don't like at all when guys quit on their team in an effort to get a head start in the portal. The other thing I don't like is the assumption that every kid that enters the portal is better than the kid you got. Like that to me is like some widespread assumption in college football. I don't know if it's because of the recruiting sites that are constantly pushing, you know, re- you know, recruiting paraphernalia and portal information. And by the way, it's their job, it's their business. I'm not, I'm not. It's not a knock on them at all. I have a ton of respect and have memberships to most of them. Um, but what I would say is. Just because a guy enters the portal doesn't mean he's better than the guy that you got. Ask NC State. Was it Brennan Armstrong better than MJ Morris this year? Was he? Not necessarily. Tyler Buckner, was he better than Jalen Milrow? Not necessarily. Tyler Van Dyke was going into the portal, went back to Miami, and got beat out by Emory Williams eight games into the season. And was put back in the lineup when he broke his arm. Well, guess what? Tyler Van Dyke's back in the portal now. There are about a thousand examples of guys that were in the portal and went somewhere else, never to be seen or heard from again, or not be better than the guy that was actually there already. So I want you to be excited about your recruiting class. I want you to be excited about your portal hall. But just because you go and and add a guy doesn't mean he's better than the one you got. It doesn't mean he's your savior either. So don't put undue pressure on the guy to come in and just revitalize everything. Like how things go at Kentucky this year with Devin Leary. Not great. Not great at all. No, but I feel like every time a guy enters the portal, it's like, well, there's the next Caleb Williams. Really? (laughs) Like, No, not necessarily, not necessarily. So I hate that there's unnecessary hype around guys that haven't earned that hype. If there's one guy in particular that sounds like he's already found out where he's going to be going, I think he's a liability at quarterback. Huge liability at quarterback. Throws picks, throws off his back shoulder, throws off his back foot. Lost games, lost many games over the course of his career. Can't read defenses. I mean, struggles, right? And yet everyone's touting him as, if, oh, he's a program builder. He's a guy to center your offense around. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I'm not going to bury the kid, but it's like, dude, watch the guy. But I don't know. Everyone, I hope spring's eternal, right? The next class will be the best class. That's for sure. All right. We will be back later in the week. And we're going to break down the conference championships. Uh, We do it every week. You guys know that. We're going to dive in. We're going to break down the conference championships. We're going to go into the Power 5 games and break them down in depth. Then we're going to give you some nuggets in the G5 as well. We're going to talk a little G5 because we haven't done enough G5 in my eyes. We haven't done enough G5. And I think we need to have a little bit of a discussion about who the G5 representative should be based on the outcomes of this weekend. Because I don't think it's Tulane. Well, I do think it could be Tulane, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. There should be a debate that's had on Liberty. There should be a debate that's had on Toledo. There should be a debate that's had on others as well. So we will have that on Thursday edition of Always College Football. Please continue to like, rate, and subscribe. We appreciate you guys very, very much. Thank you for being with us here on a Wednesday. You can also watch and subscribe to the the YouTube channel, the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. If you do that, that'd be awesome as well. So for all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, the other Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football.